producer. How about you tell me your name, when you started producing music, and where you're from? Okay. Uh, well, my name's like my actual name's Xavier, and my artist name is Zavi. I'm from a small town right outside of St. Louis. And I started producing at, say, I mean, like, seriously, I started producing and taking it seriously about three years ago or so. But I've been producing since I was very young, before I even started high school, I believe. So, Okay, let's, let's go to those humble beginnings. What, what sparked your interest in music in general? I was bored. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, sincerely, I was um, messing around with my parents' computer one day. They had a Mac, and I found GarageBand. And I started messing around with a lot of loops and stuff like that. I feel like a lot of people started off like that. Eventually, it got to where I am now. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot that's, in between there, but... <laughs> yeah, that's like the short story. <laughs> yeah, well, if you want a bit of the longer version, I mean, uh, I started with GarageBand. I was really bad, and I was always bad on GarageBand. And then I found a online DAW called Audio Tool, Digital Audio Workstation. I found that, and I started using that. And that's where I kind of started actually getting semi-okay. I mean, I never made anything too impressive on there, but it was at least somewhat passable. For example, the uh, Valentine remix I did of her, that was an audio tool. So that was the point kind of where you started using Ableton and getting more serious? Yeah, that was about when I started realizing that Audio Tool just wasn't powerful enough and that Ableton was really at least somewhere where it's at. I tried FL, but the uh, the workflow was so different to Audio Tool, I ended up just giving up on it. Ableton, I believe some of the Audio Tool workflow is based off of Ableton. So it was a really easy switch once I got used to some of the smaller discrepancies. And then I just kind of, I'd say that's when I started taking it seriously, really. When did you start thinking, like, I could actually make a career out of this? Uh, I don't even know if I still think that now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've always kind of viewed it as more of a hobby, I guess, just to be safe, you know. But, I mean, if you want to consider what I've been doing, I guess I kind of figured that out once I started actually playing shows. And I was kind of like, hey, people, like, want to hear my stuff. That's pretty neat. So you got good uh, feedback from fans. Yeah, definitely. And also it helped. I mean, I played BNL, which definitely was kind of like, oh, this is starting to get a bit real. What's BNL? Uh, Brownies and Lemonade. It is a big, big uh, show down in LA. Yeah. A lot of people I know have played. A lot of people I like have played. You know, it was a, it was a really cool experience. What had happened was we were originally going to do the show ourselves. And then I guess somebody got approached by BNL. Uh, one of the people running it and uh, they were able to add in you know a secret guest which ended up being Wookie 
I wish I could go to these places for work. Be like, yeah, I got to go out to, you know, Tokyo. Oh, yeah, that's a dream still for me is a Japan show. We'll see if that ever happens. But um, yeah, no, I honestly don't travel unless if I'm getting paid for it or if my flights are getting covered in some way because I really can't afford it. It's expensive. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah. really expensive. I'm not being uh, yeah, I'm not being like, you know, uppity when I say that it's just because I'm poor. <laughs> yeah no i mean (laughs) fair enough man me too i mean i'm like not poor poor i'm sure we're both poor to the extent that like you know we're rich because we live in america but yeah exactly we're still in a global what is it global north country but Mm. so what's like your strategy now as you know as an artist like to make money yeah i really don't <laughs> i mean the, my my strategy really i guess is to keep on going to school and finish up there and get a decent job i love music don't get me wrong and i've had a lot of people tell me oh just quit and pursue it and i'm like no <laughs> i've seen i i don't want to do that like i love music to death don't get me wrong but like right now it's just not super sustainable like you said i mean on your profile you say the young old artist that's, I guess I put that because I just kind of feel young at heart, but also I'm 23 and there's people who are doing this who are a lot younger than me. So I kind of feel old. It's crazy though, right? Like, you know, we got like, as I think Skrillex said in one interview, he's just like, you know, babies are going to be making music in the future. It's like, <laughs> I mean, like, he's not wrong. There's like, I know a couple of like 15 year old kids who are doing this stuff and just absolutely killing it. So, yeah, I was kind of going through some of your social media and I noticed you were like retweeting Jaren and isn't that guy like 17 or something like really young? Yeah. But the funniest part is he's 17 or no, I think he's 15 or 16 now. Like, which is, yeah, exactly. But the funniest part is he's that, but he's also like six foot seven. He's really tall. Like he's actually who I stayed with when I was down in LA. Oh, okay. Yeah. It was a really good time, you know, excellent time, but, uh, he's really tall. (laughs) like really tall how did you end up coordinating staying with him like how do you know him does he live in la yeah he's an la guy and um we were kind of like trying to figure out where people were going to stay i guess and i think just his house was the best option because it was the biggest i'm curious like you said that they're they're your friends but how did you meet some of these people like if they're all producers do you meet them on the internet a lot of the time or is it just well, yeah. 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 Being located in the Midwest, it's not exactly easy to find producers around you. I think there are two or three producers of my style that I know of in St. Louis who kind of make like, you know, either EDM or kind of trappy stuff. But other than that, I really don't know anybody here. So it was all internet and it was all video games. <laughs> PUBG at the time was like, it was just the way to meet people. <laughs> Really? Because originally, um, for like way before me and Chandler even started thinking of a, a Eclipse, even started uh-huh. thinking of a cl- doing a collaboration, we originally met in a game of PUBG with Jaren. And he was a lot better th- at PUBG than I am. <laughs> he was really good at PUBG. <laughs> I know that people meet through like Minecraft or like, yeah, like Fortnite now, but I guess PUBG was kind of like the the first Fortnite. Well, yeah, like Fortnite, I don't think was even out yet. Like when mm-hmm. we first started doing that and PUBG was just kind of making its rounds. It was the new Minecraft Hunger Games. And before that, there was like different Minecraft mini games that a lot of my friends and I would play. Like I know Valentine, Chuck Sutton, uh, Wisp, uh, 
a lot of other people like that. We just jump on and play some goofy games. There's even one, I can't remember the name specifically, but it would get so heated that we basically had to come together as a friend group and say, all right, we're not playing this one (laughs) (laughs) because it just got so like, there's some people who were just not happy with how that game was. You met them through the video game or you like kind of were like talking to them and then it was like, oh, hey, you also play this game. Like, let's play that. Uh, It was kind of both. Like I've met people while playing games who I didn't really know. And then some people I've known and then we played games together. And then there's been other people on there that I didn't know and gotten to know through that. Yeah, I'm just I'm curious because it's like sometimes you hear about like all these producers playing Fortnite together or something like I heard like Getter talking about how he's playing with like Dead Mouse and all these people. Obviously, they're pretty high profile and have been around for a while. I, I haven't really been far enough in the music scene to say this for certain, but I'd say if there's one thing, video games are like the equalizer. They're like having a beer <laughs> with somebody now. Instead of going out and having a beer and like discussing stuff with people and seeing how they act in certain situations, it's really video games now which is interesting and strange and (laughs) yeah like you think about like ninja playing with drake how did that happen you know (laughs) i don't think anybody saw that one coming but like just as far as getting to know people like it's a pretty good way in the scene because pretty much everybody plays them How would you describe your music and what kind of led you there? Like, what were some of your early inspirations? Oh, geez. Um, (laughs) That's a hard question. I I don't really know how to describe my music, honestly. And that might just be because I don't have a big enough reference area to describe it. Maybe I'm just ignorant of other styles like mine. I'm not saying I make super unique stuff. I'm just saying I'm bad at describing my stuff. I think it's pretty unique, though. Well, thank you. (laughs) Sometimes I fail to see uh, the uniqueness in it because I can only hear the people that I respect and me just trying to be like them. Well, you just sound like a humble person. It is also hard to like self-analyze and, and know what's going on. Definitely. I'd say if I can yeah, at least give it a shot, like some of my bigger influences would be obviously Porter Robinson. I mean, come on, who hasn't been influenced by him? I'd say Daydreamer, uh, definitely, with their album. That just... That really influenced me. and uh, I don't know Daydreamer. Ooh, they're really good. You should check them out. <laughs> I'm writing it down right now. <laughs> Definitely do. They uh, released an album a while back, and it still holds up. It's quite good. It's like very aggressive border music, if that makes any sense. Or at least that's how I would have described it, but now it's just like, I guess like, ah, oh, geez, EDM? Yeah. Mm, I don't know. <laughs> it's getting harder and harder to uh, make these subgenres to describe stuff. How do you feel about those labels? Like, do you feel like they're important or it's just like, eh. I mean, I think it's important kind of to at least like, oops, sorry about that. <laughs> oh, you're good. Just hit my desk. Um, I think it's kind of important to have those labels, at least for like Spotify and stuff, because then, you know, that's Spotify for people to find your music. It's going to be really difficult if you just go, oh, I make all genres. Right. But yeah. as far as the actual music itself, I don't think it's that important. I think as long as it's good and you like listening to it, that's fine.
How do you uh, how do you get into like a good mindset or like what do you do before you produce a song? Um, sometimes I just mindlessly produce. Like I'll just okay, where do we go from here? Blank slate, tabula rasa, and I just make something. And it really depends on what it is, what I'm feeling like. Easily, some of my most favorite songs have been this kind of interesting thing where I'm like, okay, well, what if this artist made a song like this, but in their style? I don't know if you've heard Kill the Pain. That was a song I released about a year ago. The way I kind of approached that was like, what if Josh Pan made a song that was very like Iska inspired, ISQA? They're just like super glitchy, super sound designy, like dubstep kind of stuff. And I was just kind of like, well, what if Josh Pan made a song like that? And it ended up being kind of a fun project because it was like trying to introduce what I feel like their production techniques would be into a style that isn't really theirs. Hmm. And I had a good amount of time with that. How did you come up with the name Killed Pain? Um, I feel like it was a video game quote, maybe. Like, knowing me, it's probably subconsciously that, or it's just, I was like, what's a cool name for this? And then I just stood there for a bit and tried to think of something that sounded neat. Well, it seems like video games have been a pretty prevalent uh, topic in this discussion so (laughs) far. What games have you played recently? Oh, um, the new Ace Combat 7. I have been playing that nearly constantly. Oh my goodness, that's hilarious to me. I haven't seen or heard of Ace Combat since like PlayStation 1. The new one is so good. I am absolutely in love with it. I uh, actually grew up with a PS2 that had Ace Combat 4 come with it. And uh, then I was like, wow, this is really good and I really like this. So then I got Ace Combat 5 and then it was like, a dead series for like basically 10 or 20 years out of nowhere namco was like here's the seventh one and i'm like oh my god my childhood's back except it's even better (laughs) graphics this time what other games did you play when you were young when i was young um let me see gran turismo was what i played a lot oh mirror's edge that was a good one Ooh, that's a good one. That's a really good game. You ever watch speedruns of video games? Um, funnily enough, uh, I'll usually watch like slow let's plays while I'm working on music, but I'll have it turned down like really low. Oh yeah. Or like, oh, even better Twitch streams. Um, I love some Twitch streams where people are just like people. I even just like semi know of are just playing a video game for a bit. And what I'll do is I'll just turn the volume down. And it'll be like this nice white noise that won't really interfere with the mixing and mastering so much because it's so quiet. Mm -hmm. And then when I actually feel like I need like a quick little mental break, I can just switch over to that tab, turn it up a bit and watch for a bit. Mm, That's a good idea. I've thought about doing something kind of like that, but uh, like putting on like a vibe, like putting on like Cowboy Bebop and then just like, yeah, when I get bored, like turning my head and being like, oh, okay. It's actually a really good idea to get just inspirations for music too. The nice part about Twitch too is there's an interactive element so I can completely just disengage with my music for a bit instead of like watching a video and being like, I want to work on this. I can also like, you know, interact with whoever's on there. Yeah, so speaking of Twitch, this is a topic I wanted to bring up. 
I mm-hmm. saw that you have done streams on Twitch. How does that go? Like, how do you like it? I do. Yeah. Um. Sometimes it's like I have to be careful though because sometimes I will be working on a project I'm taking very seriously, like way too seriously, and I just get frustrated with the mix and people are like. You all right, bud? And I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. It's just, this is how I mix. I get frustrated with how I'm working and that's just my process. But for the most part, it's really fun and honestly a nice break from like music where I can still be working on music because 90% of the time I just end up talking to the people in the chat. It's just a really nice way to interact with people while working. Like you don't have to completely focus on what you're doing so you don't have to get way too into the zone. But also like if you need feedback and stuff, well, there you go. They're right there. Just say, Hey, what do you guys think about this? And then hit play. You have a captive audience for the most part. Has anyone ever given you some like really good advice? Um, actually, yeah. One time uh, during a stream, I was trying to figure some stuff out with a song. And I don't know if you've heard of the artist, A Cloudy Sky. No. They are a smaller artist that actually started out on audio tool as well. And they make some really good stuff. But I was streaming and having a lot of trouble with mixing and mastering a song. And they came in and they kind of helped me a lot. Like, they're pretty smart with their mixing and mastering. And I think sometimes you just work yourself into a corner where it's like, you know, like it's not obvious to you, but to everybody else who hears it, it's like, oh, this is what you should do. Mm. Where it's just almost like you work so hard and so far that you just kind of get hit writer's block when trying to figure out how to fix something. Yeah, we've kind of talked about this a little bit now, just the the inability to just see yourself from a third person view it's really it can be difficult sometimes and this is something that i talk about with my roommate a lot who's an editor and we just i think it's really helpful to have someone to just bounce it off of even if they don't really know much about it and sometimes that's even for the best because if somebody knows a lot about it you know their their feedback will probably be a bit uh i guess reserved Mm mm-hmm but if you have somebody who like really hasn't heard the project before or really doesn't have any investment in it, then it changes things up because then they're just getting a straight blank slate and they can, you know, oh, well, this is wrong or this is wrong a lot quicker than you could if you had either heard it before or have investments in the actual project itself. Yeah, there's an there's a lot of overlap, too, with just people that might not even be making music. Like, my, for example, my roommate, he's a video editor. And although, you know, video editing and music production are similar in a sense because they're both on a timeline, but it's just drastically different because it's different senses. Oh, very much so, yeah. Yeah, one's visual, one's auditory. Um, but I mean, I, th- I see parallels between any type of art where you get so deep into it that it's just like you got to take time or you got to get someone else's perspective to really see it for what it is and sometimes it's really difficult to even ask for that help because you feel like you know well i don't see these other musicians asking for help but really i mean everybody's just sending stuff back and forth all the time let's just let's stick to twitch because i'm curious do you watch any other uh music production people on twitch that's pretty funny actually uh i do but usually i don't know them I was working on the set. I recently played a set for uh, as a uh, Luca Lush at uh, Kansas City. While I was working on the set, I was kind of procrastinating. And one of the things I'll do when I'm procrastinating is I'll just go on Twitch and find people who are production streaming and just listen in. Mm. 
And like, you know, I'll either just sit around and talk to them about production. And I don't even know these people 90% of the time. I I just kind of like roaming around on there and meeting new people, I guess. I feel like you do reach out to the internet just for whatever. There's, it seems like you understand that there's a wealth of knowledge on the internet and might as well use it. Exactly. Like it is literally just about as close to a hive mind as humanity will ever reach. Like imagine like you're in 1950, right? And all of a sudden you hit a pothole, your radiator's broken. What do you do? Well, you just kind of sit there, hope somebody comes along, maybe even drive the car home and potentially damage it. Nowadays you Google it. (laughs) That's all you do is you just go on there, radiator broken, what do, or maybe even Google the local repair shop if you're not willing to work on it it's there's so many different approaches to answers that we have now which have opened up just because people can talk to people at any time at any place and i really do like to utilize that as much as how do you feel about the wealth of knowledge that is uh like music production on the internet have you dived into that um i have you do have to be careful though because a lot of music production is being set in your ways i want to do it this way this way might be better but i've done it this way so i want to do it this way right like Mm -hmm. that's a lot of things to be fair but music production especially and what i found is sometimes i'll look up these tutorials or something of something i might already even know and like they discuss something else that i don't know in the second half but like what i'll notice is they're doing it a really weird or strange way and the thing is just because they've done it that way they think you know they're right about it so you have to be really careful with some of these uh, tutorials, but usually if you sift through it and you can tell what's being done wrong and what's being done kind of inefficiently, you can find solutions to your problems. <laughs> it kind of makes me think of like posture. Like if your music production talent is your posture and some people have bad posture and they don't even know it and they're teaching other people and it's like <laughs> exactly it's like yeah here's how to sit up in a chair the first thing you want to do is you want to put your feet on the stool and then <laughs> dive off head first into the ground yo seriously though just speaking of producers and people sitting at their computers they say that you know sitting at your computer is or just sitting in general is like the new smoking it's like so bad for you there, you know, usually like every once in a while, there will be a study where they're like, this is the reason this happens. And usually it ends up being uh, complete bullcrap or just uninformed or just one study out of millions. And it doesn't really mean anything. I mean, look to all the studies saying what causes cancer. Like every other day you see, oh, this causes cancer or nope, never mind. This doesn't cause cancer, but this causes cancer. Studies just kind of throw stuff against the wall and see if they stick. You yeah, know? that also just sounds like catchy, like. Oh, sitting's the new smoking. Smoking, yeah. Oh, and the worst part is, is when there's studies released, and then these news, uh, these news companies will pick it up, but they won't understand that the fact that the study either was done inefficiently or it didn't come to the conclusions that they're posting as the headline or something like that. I've seen that happen a lot, like where just you know some big corporation will be like, this does this, and then like the scientists very quietly on some corner of an internet forum will be like, uh, no, actually it doesn't do that at all. Um, our our real conclusions was that we needed a bigger sample size and blah 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 blah. You know, it's usually just all the stuff you see where it says the study shows is either incorrect or just drawing conclusions from something that shouldn't be drawn. Yeah, and also headlines, just like be- catchy headlines, yeah, like clickbaity stuff. 
it is fascinating to me though that there's like all of this I've like done research on like proper like positions to sit in your chair and like all these like ergonomic things to do stand up desks and it's just yeah it like, sounds like you'd be standing up and just oh my legs hurt within 30 minutes and then you're just standing there for the rest of the day hoping you can go home because your legs hurt and you just want to sit down <laughs> i think it's the type of thing where like you switch between them that would make a bit more sense to me i don't know i feel like a lot of it's just new age stuff that probably isn't actually based on that much science a lot of stuff like that happens Mm. yeah there's tons of crazy inventions that are just like oh this is gonna fix your chin that's sagging and it's like yeah "Mm, exactly nonetheless people do live more sedentary lifestyles because you know you can you know if you have like a remote job you can just sit at home all day like you know go to your living room go back to your room lay in your bed i have you ever seen wally that that shit might happen yeah same thing are you one of those people that has like a wanderlust has to like go out and explore the world because i know some people who are really introverted and they couldn't care less they can just surf the internet find everything they want to see I'm a, I'm a bit of both. Uh, I used to live up in a small town in Missouri when I was going to a college up there, and then I uh, transferred. When I was up there, like every other day or so, I'd just be like, this sucks. And I'd get in my car and i just drive to like a nature preserve because there were so many around there. Mm. And I would just uh, hang out outside and just walk around. I know it was stupid dangerous. Like, you're really not supposed to go on, like, any sort of preserve out in the middle of nowhere by yourself. Because, like, you know, it's not like, you know, crazy axe murder warnings. But if you fall and trip and, like, break something, you're out there alone and you probably don't have cell service. So it was really dumb. But at the same time, it was really calming. Mm. I could just go into the middle of nowhere and just be truly alone for a bit. The area I was in was called the Ozarks, and the Ozarks are pretty notorious for being kind of middle of nowhere. Like, a lot of people in the area will use it as a vacation spot. It's really peaceful in some of those areas. Have mercy upon me, O Lord, for I am in trouble. I want to move on now to a section that I'm still figuring out the name for. I think it's going to be called Talkin' Twitter or Twitter Talkin'. But the concept Uh-oh. is that I pull things from your Twitter. I literally stole this from Hot Ones. I'm just going to be blatant about it. They do Instagram and stuff. <laughs> it's like I'm just going to grab stuff from your Twitter. But it's it works out well because a lot of people in the music production community use Twitter as like one of the main communication sources. They do, which is the main reason I have Twitter. Trust me, if that wasn't true, I wouldn't be on there. It's a, it's not a, it's not my favorite platform. It is fast communication though. You can just be like, and blah, this is what I'm thinking. I think that's, I think that's some of the problem too, is because a lot of people think really dumb stuff. Yeah, that's true. Freedom of speech. What are you going to (laughs) do? I, yeah, I only use Twitter really for promotional purposes just because. I probably should. (laughs) I'm like so bad when it comes to uh, just even promoting this podcast. Producer. I like need to be more on top of it. Like that's, that's a goal of mine is to be more on top of that. But anyway, so one thing you said, you said. I have had four or so people yesterday tell me they wish the concert tonight was 21 plus so they could get in. 
Fix this stuff everywhere. Let the kids see acts that aren't just gigantic names in stadiums. Let them have fun with the small stuff, too. It's frustrating. Okay. Like, so I guess just give my thoughts yeah, on this because yeah, yeah. I have a lot of yeah, thoughts. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, why? What was the situation? What was the concert? And then, like, what do you propose um, would be a way to fix that? So to be fair, the place I ended up playing, I didn't know it was going to be like this, but it was like a bottle service club. So that makes a bit more sense on 21 plus. But the idea still stands. A lot of these shows that I play are either 18 plus or 21 plus. And a lot of the kids who are into this stuff, and I can say kids, I'm 23 now. That's like five or six years off of me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But um, a lot of these kids who are like 16 or 17 or maybe even 15, you know, they're like some of my biggest fans that I know of. And they just get really, really bummed when it turns out these shows are 18 plus. And for the most part, if it's 21 plus, maybe there's alcohol on the premises. But at the same time, there also is at hockey games and baseball games. So should we not let kids go to those? Are we too afraid that they're going to see alcohol and become an alcoholic? Like, I feel like we've drawn some very, very jagged lines in the sand that don't meet up. Hmm. And I, I really think that should be fixed because I am, like I said, I'm honestly tired of I'm just getting these DMs where it's like, dude, I wish I could go, but I'm, I can't make it because the age restriction. It just sucks. Like, I knew how that felt because I was there before, and I'm, I think it's time we just take a look at that stuff and go, all right, this needs to be changed. But the 21, I can kind of sort of understand because there is liability without. Mm-hmm. But then again... Why does there need to be that much liability when obviously at other places a black X using Sharpie marker on the hand works perfectly fine? Yeah, I don't know. I guess it's like hard to gauge how alluring alcohol would be at one place to another. You know, if that's if that's the factor that we're considering here. I think the main thing is a lot of the people I've interacted with, and this is a small corner of the internet, so this could be a very skewed set of data that i'm dealing with but a lot of these people who are missing out on this aren't the people who are like oh man i really want to get drunk at your show they just wanted to go and see the music yeah yeah i mean i feel like when it comes to super fans i'm just guessing here the demographic is younger right because you're just like infatuated at a younger age with certain things like it's easier to like have a crush you're right on something it's, it's not even like a crush, but it almost just seems like they're more into it, which I find really admirable considering some of the people I've seen at shows and stuff where they just don't give a crap at all. You know, you see them and they're just there to be there. And just to take a couple of maybe selfies for Instagram, show that they're there. They don't really care that they're there. They don't care who's playing. They're just there. Yeah. And someone's mind that's like younger, it's just fresh to them. It's like, oh, this is cool and exciting. They just want to see the music and it sucks that they can't. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I guess venues is probably a balancing act that I don't know too much about, but potentially they could make more revenue from ticket sales if they let more younger kids in. But maybe that takes away bodies that could be there that are buying alcohol. Oh, definitely. I think that part of it is like understandable if it's 21 plus, but if it's 18 plus, that's where the line gets kind of blurry. You're having people there that can't have alcohol already. Yeah. Why is it 18 plus? What are you doing here? Yeah. Then I don't. What's like the age that you can be out past curfew? I guess it probably depends state to state, right? 
Exactly. I think in some states too, there is no curfew. If I'm correct, like hmm, question. I'm not too sure about that. Yeah, though, I'm not because sure. I never really paid attention to curfew nor adhered to it. Yeah, because and like who does? Full disclosure. I hope I don't get in trouble for this at this point. I had a well, actually, I didn't have a fake ID. I had my brother's ID, which this is getting becoming more incriminating. So, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, sometimes you gotta. You gotta do things to get to certain places. You gotta find that back door, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I understand. Like, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Get crafty. I'm not, I'm exactly. not advocating anything. I'm just, no one, no one quote me on that. No, you're just saying the words get crafty with absolutely no relation to what we were talking about. Exactly. I'm glad yeah. you understand. <laughs> I understand completely. Okay. All right. I'm going to go into a. Or maybe I should say, understand what? Uh, who, who, who are you? I don't even yeah. know. What are we talking about? Oh, uh, geez. I don't know. Plausible deniability? <laughs> Here's another one. So it's so weird to see people acting like techno is now this super powerful underground thing when I know they're the same type of people who dismissed it as a goofy old German dance music years ago. All right. This one's personal. <laughs> Get in there. <laughs> okay. So when I was on an auto audio tool, right? Like, and this is where this main argument stems from. I was a uh, newer guy, but I was still friends with some of the people who were kind of on there for a bit. And a lot of the guys who were on there for a bit were these techno guys. Like they'd be doing dark techno or dark dub or whatever, you know, techno house, you know, all these different genres of techno. And that was mainly the thing. Well, when I got on audio tool, it started becoming more of an EDM community. And a lot of them just straight up dismissed these techno guys. Like they wouldn't even pay attention to them. They wouldn't, they wouldn't act like it exists. And I think there was a pretty good parallel to that with uh, a lot of the music that was happening at that point. Like EDM was definitely becoming more of a powerhouse. And I think the kind of switch from techno to EDM on the site can be paralleled pretty heavily with the switch from techno and such like trance and all that to EDM in real life. But recently there's been a lot of techno artists that have started getting popular and I've been seeing these people treat them like, I don't know. It's just this weird thing where I see people like, act like it's the super inclusive underground kind of music thing. And it just feels weird because that's the exact same reason that all those techno guys on the site kind of got pushed out. I, I just really don't like people seeing people gatekeep stuff and act like it's this cool underground thing when that gatekeeping is the exact reason that it is now a cool underground thing. Like that's where People were like, ew, you listen to techno? And now it's like, oh, you listen to techno? That's cool. I do too. But name me three of techno's songs. I feel like people don't even know what they're talking about half the time. You know, you think about that Eminem songs, or that, that Eminem song where it's like, nobody listens to techno, so let's go. Like, But anyway, it's like, techno back in the day that was anything electronic music to me like when i was in yeah exactly high school or whatever it was like oh techno that's just like anything made with a synthesizer i didn't even know what a synthesizer was you know <laughs> yeah exactly and like the same people who latched on the edm are the same people who are probably latching on the techno now so all this gatekeeping nonsense and i feel like i was gatekeeping gatekeepers in that <laughs> tweet a bit 
another tweet that you have is you said, sometimes you just wake up in a mood where you cannot figure out if you need a hug from everyone you know or you need to move to Wyoming and cut contact with everyone while living off the land. So just like... (laughs) We're talking about like emotions and like people's mental health when it comes to music, it's it's a tricky thing because part of it, it really part is. Of it is like you know, what are you making the music for? You know what I mean? Like, do you want it so you can become popular, so you can become like successful? Like, there's so many factors in it. I think music in its most basic form, like if we're talking metaphorically and not actually physically in which it'd just be a collection of waves at different frequencies and blah, 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 boring, boring, boring. I think that in its most basic form, music is literally just an outlet for emotions. Like whether you're feeling happy or sad, usually making music at least is not only something that basically, you know, you can pour your thoughts and feelings out to whether in a metaphorical way by making either, you know, sad sounding chords or in a, less metaphorical way in which you sing about how you feel sad or happy or angry or confused or whatever. I think it's also a way for people who listen to it to experience those same emotions. So I think part of being a musician sometimes is just being really vulnerable to emotion, whatever that emotion is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like I've, at least in my personal experience, um, I'm going into uh, mechanical engineering and I- I've met many emotionless engineers, many people who have just like, you would look at their face and you just couldn't tell if they're feeling anything. They don't really speak about their feelings. The very much more logical uh, verbiage, stuff like that. Uh, I've never really met a musician like that, ever. I've never met anybody where you couldn't really tell they, they were bad at emoting or you couldn't really tell what they were feeling. It's always been very just very straightforward people and people who feel things honestly and i'm guessing put that into their music yeah and being an emotional creature like people that make art i think in general are probably a little bit tuned into certain emotions more so than like this like robotic logic person that you're talking about you know you've been a musician for a bit now and you've you've gained some popularity What's some advice you could give to someone who is emotional and needs to like deal with people essentially? Essentially, you're going to have to deal with people and deal with your own emotions and all of that. I'd say the best advice I could give, at least for somebody who's trying to deal with their own emotions by working through music, is that you will always be your biggest critic. There's no question that anybody is ever going to hate on your stuff or think your stuff is bad more than you will ever. Unless if you're the world's biggest psychopath, egotistical person, you're probably going to think my stuff sucks. Why does anybody listen to it? You need to combat that. You need to kind of push that to the back of your head. You need to understand. And this is something I'm very much struggling with right now. I, you need to push that to the back of your head and realize that imperfection is perfectly fine. You don't have to be magically perfect every single time. Your song doesn't have to be just this amazingly mixed, amazingly mastered. Everything is perfect, especially to your specifications. It doesn't have to be that. In fact, I'd say a lot of uh, newer stuff has been accidental. You would not believe the amount of inventions speaking outside of music that have been accidental. Like, I believe it was 
sticky notes. Sticky notes were actually created from a company that was attempting to build a sealant for cockpits, for fighter cockpits. And they couldn't get any sort of combinations right. I mean, imagine trying to seal your fighter cockpit going at Mach 1 with basically what is sticky note sealant. That's not a good idea. <laughs> like, yeah, there goes your cockpit and also probably you. But what they figured out is that they could use it for these really nice non-residue leaving notes that they could leave all around the office and stuff. And that's where their company came from. That's where post-its were from. And just little mistakes like that can usually evolve into something much different than you expected. And sometimes that's for the best. Sometimes being perfect isn't where you want to be. That's, I think that's some good advice right there. I'm definitely my own worst critic. <laughs> exactly. I am, I am too. That's the thing. It never really stops, but you can at least tell yourself that like, you know, well, just because this isn't the best thing ever doesn't mean I'm not going to. It doesn't have to be like. Do you ever feel like when you just don't try very hard on a track and you're just like loose with it? It's like ends up being your best track. I've had that happen. Um, <laughs> one of the tracks I actually sent you, which I haven't released. I have had so many people inquire about because they really want me to release which it. Which one? Um, Which one's that? It's the Be Your Girl Flip. I literally spent like, I think, three hours on it. And then I exported it and never touched it again. And I've had people absolutely love that track. I'm really proud of the second drop though because i did a really interesting technique where i basically used a vocoder over the be your girl part where they just say be your girl and i layered that over the bass so it has this really interesting texture to it So I guess kind of diving into some of the like production technique stuff, how do you normally write like your uh, harmony? Because I feel like that's a huge part of your music. Well, one of the main things I do is like, at least usually for my chords is like, and you can hear this in like what we once were the end of us. Uh, let me see. I'm trying to think of other songs a bit in my Porter Robinson, uh, sea of voices remix. is what I'll do is I'll have these chords and they'll all be playing the same note except for the lowest note in which it will follow the chord pattern. And all the other notes that are playing will be in key, of course. So it just kind of creates this wall of sound, but it still also goes along with the actual, like, uh, the actual, you know, key or chord or whatever that is playing. And I found that to make a really good, uh, 
a really good noise. <laughs> so, like, the bass note of the chord is the one that is changing. Yes, and then everything else is just kind of standing still. And it kind of create or not standing still, but it's all the same note. And it just kind of creates this wall of sound kind of feel. Like, you can hear that really easily in uh, what we once were. think like the top notes like uh and like it just stays there like no matter where the uh bass is yeah you definitely do this wall of sound technique whether it's like really in your face or kind of like swooping in um do you use any other like effects to get that or like any other white noise is so powerful like that's how you do that stuff if you want to sound like me or jaren or something it's just white noise man and what you just like have some like a noise oscillator going and then you just slap that in there and it's good to go actually uh jaren and i both use i think the same file for a white noise it's a sample that we have that i usually what i do is i just loop it or something like that or i put it in a sampler and i just throw it on the track to play at the same time the chords are, and it just creates this massive sounding texture. You do have to be careful because sometimes it can kind of wash out the actual tones, which is a bit much, but I think another good example of like really good white noise usage would probably be Daydreamer stuff. Yeah, that's kind of where I got the my kind of sound from, really, is I really like Daydreamer stuff and I wanted to do my own spin on that. Do you ever do you ever do any other types of noise, just white noise? You know, you got pink noise, you got um, brown noise. Not really. Uh, I just mainly use white noise just because like white noise is usually a bit. Uh, it's like just a straight frequency band and usually I'll just take out the bottom of it i think pink noise might be a bit more in white in uh, higher frequencies i'm not too sure the difference but really it's all the same stuff if you just eq it I, i'm pretty sure so white noise is equal energy throughout the frequency spectrum and pink noise is equal energy per octave so it's like a oh that's interesting yeah it is interesting although yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, if you were like, well, that's actually, like, magenta noise. And, like, <laughs> I yeah, I just people feel... would be like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just really mainly use white noise. Although pink noise would be interesting to try out. I didn't know that was the difference. You should go, since, I mean, since noise is a pretty big part of that, that like, uh, wall of sound that you do. You should check Wikipedia because I remember getting lost on it one time and seeing like there's all these types of noise and it's just like, I don't know if it really is like that important, but they all have like different uses and technology and whatnot. Kind of interesting. Yeah, definitely. Um, okay. Well, we've been going for a bit now. I don't want to keep you forever. I don't know. If oh, no, it's. Yeah, no, I might have to go pretty soon, but I think we've uh, we've covered a lot, definitely. 
Yeah, and honestly, I feel like my favorite parts of this talk so far were the parts where we were just talking about random shit. That's like normally what I like in a podcast. Oh yeah, same. Um, doing some digging, and I uh-huh. found XRB. Oh my god, that's uh <laughs> okay. So my original name on the website I used to upload my GarageBand stuff was Zave Rock Beats One Three Three Four, and it was One Three Three Four because I thought that's what Leet Speak was. I forgot oh. it was 1337. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it was 1334 and then it became Zay Rock Beats. And then for a while I tried XRB and then I was like, that's dumb. And then my friends were like, that's dumb. You need to rebrand. And I did the Zavi, which has been okay. The only issue is that there's that there's a bunch of rappers named that. So like that's been a bit of an issue, but honestly, it's a lot better than Beats. XRB now that we're past it, uh, it kind of sounds like a radio station. Like, hey, tune into XRB, the home. Yeah, of it kind of does. <laughs> Maybe you could bring it back. You know, like later if you ever start a radio station. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. Actually, did used to be on a uh, radio station in uh, the college I was up in in uh, Missouri. Yeah, I ended up leaving the college, but uh, yeah, shout out uh, Cam and R. All right, man. Well, I normally do a couple wrap-up questions, and the first one is, what mm-hmm. was the first concert you've been to? Like, an electronic or ever? Because that definitely changes. <laughs> ever. Uh, I think it was uh, one of the guys from the Beatles, and he was doing, like, Yellow Submarine stuff. Oh, shit. Okay. It was... I barely remember it. I think my dad took me, and I sincerely cannot remember a single thing about it. I just know it by name. Okay, first electronic concert. First electronic concert I ever went to was in St. Louis. It was this tiny little club and was with a bunch of people from a group called Sound Asleep I used to be in, a collective. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it was this dank little basement that we were in, and I had an absolute blast. I was really nervous, but somebody basically was like, ah, don't worry about it. Nobody cares how you dance. Just go ham. And I'm like, okay, I'll go ham. I'll try that. <laughs> and it was a really good time. The follow-up question to that is, what was the most impactful concert you've ever been to? Um, geez, that's a hard one. Uh, I'd probably say that same one, honestly, because uh, when I went, I really didn't know what I was doing at all. And that's when I first, like, I mean, Valentine had been talking for, we didn't really know each other at that point, but they were there. And we actually met up and talked, figured out we were both in St. Louis, just kind of and just kind of started a a friendship from there. And really, Valentine's the person who's helped me get to where I'm at. No lie. Like, if there's anybody I can point a finger to and be like, yeah, that's them. That's who kind of got me to where I am today. It definitely be Valentine. For sure. Well, shout out Valentine. Absolutely. Almost like a mentorship (laughs) program or something. All right, man. Well, dude, I, I'm really glad we did this. It was fun. Yeah, me too. Thank you so much. It was a really good time. Yeah, of course. Any shout outs besides Valentine? Anything coming up soon? Any uh, plugs? I got a couple of stuff coming up. I am playing uh, a festival coming up here in, I believe, uh, April, April 20th. I'll be down at Asteria Festival near Orlando. It's going to be a really good time. Um, I got a couple of songs coming up with some people I really enjoy and maybe even a couple of my heroes. 
And uh, I got a couple of official remixes that I'm pretty happy with that might happen. Okay. All right. Well, I appreciate it, man. I'll talk to you soon. I appreciate you too. Thanks. That was uh, really nice. Yeah, man, I'm I so okay. really quick before I let you mm-hmm. go. You were said earlier that like, you know, you really appreciate people who are like small and are making just really genuine music. And like, that's what I'm trying to do with the podcast. Like, yeah, it's cool to have big names on. But ultimately, there's so many people who are unrecognized and just like exactly if yeah. I could just shine a little bit of light on them. That's really cool, dude. Well, I'm very thankful you're doing that. Somebody has to. Well, we'll see what happens. (laughs) All right, man. Well, have a good rest of your night. You too. Thank you so much. Producer. Producer.